1: There's nothing there is absolutely nothing more refreshing than the presence of the Lord. Amen. So good, so good to be in the presence of the Lord. Well certainly we didn't orchestrate this tonight. We didn't orchestrate a missions service. Amen. But we are glad to have Sister Monk home and we congratulate her on her engagement and upcoming marriage. I am afraid that Brother Haleo's gain is our loss, but uh, all in all, the kingdom of God is going to benefit from her becoming a part of this union, and God is going to use that couple to do great things. I know they have a heart for missions and a heart for people, amen, and so we're we're privileged by that. And so tonight, we are blessed to have one of our own, and now by adoption, our own, right? Uh, Brother Daniel grew up in Living Hope. He's always been a part of Living Hope, always will be a part of Living Hope. And uh, a few years ago now, um, I'm sure Sister to Temple could tell us exactly how many years and days and months, probably right down to a couple of minutes it was. And the Brother and Sister to Temple uh, accepted the call to go to Georgia, to Georgia, Russia, not Georgia, but between South Carolina and Florida, but to the nation of Georgia. And they are doing such a tremendous work over there. And they're home resting, and relaxing and uh, so we want them to come we're so privileged and honored to have them and we appreciate I want to say that publicly we appreciate your sacrifice we appreciate all that you're doing for the kingdom of God and all that you're going to do and so I know sister De temple is going to going to testify why don't you come together why don't we give them a hand clap as they come We're so thankful that God is using this couple to do so many great things in the kingdom of God. We want them to take their liberty, sing, preach, teach us something from Georgia. We're so glad you're able to minister tonight.
2: Praise the Lord. That means hello, how are you? It's a lot more difficult than Dutch. I was kind of envious. uh uh, it means praise the Lord. If you can remember that, if you can perma- pronounce it. Even I have been taking lessons and I'm still not pronouncing it properly. But praise the Lord. It's good to be in the presence of God with you all tonight. You can sit down. You know, we. I don't know the days and the minutes and the hours and the months. But it's been eight years. And, you know, eight years I've actually never, ever testified here. So I'm kind of uh, nervous, a little bit scared, but I'm just uh, happy to be in the house of God and happy to feel the presence of the Lord. It's awesome to hear about the things that are happening in Holland. I was I saw your picture on Facebook with all the tulips, and um, my favorite flower is tulip, so I was a Holy Ghost envious of you, but... I just, it's an honor to be able to be here to testify, to to stand behind this pulpit, and, and to just share a couple things that God has been doing and is doing in Georgia. We have had uh, interesting times with COVID, which I'm sure everyone has, um, but through it all, you know, God has persevered, he's pushed, he's pushed us, he's made us go kind of outside of our box, outside of our comfort zone, and really reach into areas that we hadn't um, experienced or, or tried before, you know, the whole online thing. We don't do it a lot because a lot of the people that we minister to come from, well, there's people from Georgia, and then we have students that are from different international, or they're international, they come from different countries, and um, some of them If their parents or their families found out they came to our church, they would um, disown them, stop supporting them, come get them. (laughs) So we hadn't really explored that avenue, but we were able to do so and keep everyone safe through the process. And we've seen people filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized uh, in Jesus' name, praise God. Isn't that awesome? Just last week, one was filled with the Holy Ghost. Even while we're here, God is still pouring out His Spirit. Uh, I'm sure Daniel will probably talk more about it, but we've we've been able to make contact with some pastors that aren't UPCI. Hallelujah. And uh, there's no way that we can reach the entire country. There's no way. Not even a tiny bit of a way. Uh, in the capital, there's... 1. No, 1. 1.9 million people. And so God is using people who are already established there, that already have churches. And he's bringing them into the truth. You don't have to go and start a brand new work. You just have to go and reach people. You don't have to take away their hope. You just have to give them more hope. Give them more than they already have. The one, the one testimony I had to ask Brother Roberts if we were on Facebook because I want to share it because it's really um, special to me, and I, I might cry. So sorry, <laughs> I can't help it. Um, Esther went to kindergarten in in Georgia, and um, her teacher is from a uh, is, is from Iran, and. Um, Esther just fell in love with her, and I kept meeting her, and I kept talking to her, and I really felt a connection to her, and I tried and tried and tried to get her to my house, to get her to do all these different things, but time just wasn't, wasn't happening, and COVID hit, and, and uh, the kindergarten closed, and so um, we were not able to send Esther to school anymore. And her teacher bought a dog. <laughs> Sounds really funny, but her teacher bought a dog. And after three days of having this dog in their house, they realized that this was a bad idea. And their son was heartbroken. And so through some miscommunication between me and Daniel, <laughs> it happens. Um, we ended up with this dog. <laughs> well, He thought they were giving it to us. I thought we were watching it. Turns, turns out we were watching it. <laughs> um, we watched this dog for seven months. I watched this dog for seven months. <laughs> and through that, they kept coming periodically to our house, and they would stay a little longer each and every single time. And now we live near each other. And she comes to our house, and she teaches Esther in our house. They've come to our church and they're from a Muslim background. And their 10 year old son, he wants to get baptized. And the husband is thinking about getting baptized. <laughs> so, no matter what you think, no matter what obstacles get put in your way, God can use them. You know, you think you're doing just something nice for someone, and it can turn into the way that God uses to reach those people. Praise God.
0: What she didn't tell you, it was a husky. And um, we actually had one of our own at that time. And so then we got two and that was not God ordained, I don't believe. (laughs) Having two dogs. um, But then also what happened during COVID is they had ladies meeting. She didn't tell you this part. I was surprised. But she sat the the lady came to the ladies meeting on Zoom or online. I don't know if it was on Zoom or what. But her son sat in there. You gotta realize her son went, got off the ladies Zoom meeting, um, and called his grandma up and his aunt back in Iran, and said Jesus is God. Now you gotta understand something. You can't do that by law. There, if they do that, they can be killed. And I found more. I find out if the parents and the grandparents know any family member that knows that don't report them, they can be killed. If they would convert, so I, you know, so pray for them. Um, They are there. There's a lot going on with them. They they it's exciting. They contact us. They're probably one of our closest friends that we have there now. Uh, And they contact us even while we're here. They've been contacting us. And I pray that God continues to open their eyes to the truth. They see it. It's just a matter of now taking the step of faith because they there is danger involved. That i won't ever understand that we will probably never understand in our life, but they go through it, and uh, it's a it's amazing watching people come to christ uh i am I am honored to be here with you all It's been a few years, only about three years since I've been back to the states um, I left in two thousand i guess eighteen was it eighteen yeah two thousand eighteen I left. Uh, for the republic of georgia uh, with me and my family my family has come back every year but they didn't let me come with them they didn't like me enough to bring me back with them so they told me i had to stay but finally they let me come uh reason why we're here is because our legal stay was up it was up last year but because of covid they extended it this time they said forget it we're not extended you got to get out so we had to leave and then we just got to go back we just needed a new stamp um, but I am honored. I'm, I give honor to Pastor Jason and um, Sister State, and I I thank God for them. Uh, you know, they were my youth pastors uh, growing up, and then on top of that, they were my pastor for for a brief stint before I went to D.C., and then also I give honor to Pastor Roberts and the leadership of this church. You, you got to realize uh, pastor, pastor Roberts knew me when I was really just born, I believe, and uh, and he still is my friend. He still likes me. He still couldn't wait to see me. So, he, you know, I, I, I give honor to him and everybody else here, all the leadership. I'm glad my mom's here. Cade, it's good to see you. Uh, they must like you more because they're keeping you around longer. I don't know. Uh, they, they got rid of me finally after 18, 19 years. Um, but... No, I do want to preach, and I'm gonna preach. You know, I, I feel like we're supposed to go old school since we brought back Sunday night, right? So that's 11 o'clock dismiss, maybe 12 o'clock church, maybe. Anybody remember those days? We got out really late growing up. When I was growing up, they we we had church, and pastor would preach for three or four hours. We have some song service forever, and you know, if we had a three hour worship service, we we were hoping maybe pastor didn't preach. But he still did most of the time. Um, And so I I got at least got like three, four hours left to go before it hits 11 o'clock. So we're good to go. Uh, But I do want to preach. So if you turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 1, I I am just excited. I know the trip is quick, uh, but don't worry, we'll be back in about 10 months for deputation. So I'll get to see you all again. And you never know, there'll be more faces. Uh, I am glad Marge is here, too. Uh, You know, look, you got to understand something. And I know, Stephen, if you're watching, I might embarrass you a little bit, but that's okay. I'm your older brother, so deal with it. Um, You know, my brother coming to church, it makes me happy. His wife coming to church with him and his kids coming to church with him makes me happy. Uh, I got a message from Stephen this morning saying he was on his way, and I was excited. You know, there's something different. My, my, you, some of you were here when Stephen was growing up. He he could quote Bible scriptures than better, better than any of us. On the Bible quiz team, he was just that good. Uh, but, you know, he walked away, and, you know, there's a change in him. I can see it, Pastor Robert's. You know, I get before I came back home, he texted me, or when I got landed, he texted me. He said, Daniel, you know, I can't wait to play a few games with you, but I can't wait to go to church with you. That's a difference. That's a difference. And for the rest of you brothers and sisters or parents that have some loved ones that have backslidden, just wait for the text message to come. I can't wait to go to church with you again. I want you to understand, it's coming. You've got to be anticipating. I, I, I know I had to go to Pennsylvania first, but you know what? When I was in Pennsylvania, I was excited to come. If he was here tonight, I would tell you, lock the doors and lock them in until he can't. Marge is here, so we might still do it. <laughs> no, but I, I am grateful and... Stephen, I know you're not here tonight, but you will be here on, hopefully on Wednesday night again, and I'll get to go to church with you again. And you know what? Maybe in 10 months from now, I have another brother and his wife that will be coming with me too to church. Maybe I'll get that text message in another 10 months. And so why not? I'm just going to claim it. Why not? So 2 Kings chapter 4, 1-7. through 7. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, go and borrow, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even the empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her sons, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. You all may be seated. For the next few moments, few hours, few minutes, whatever it may be, uh, I would like to preach on this thought. Go get the vessels. Uh, you know, we, there's something we have all lived through in the last year, year and a half. We love the name of it, COVID. Anybody anybody know that name, COVID? Anybody enjoy the last year and a half of living through COVID? No. You know, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm excited to be here. Uh, but I'm kind of sad about leaving. Not that I don't want to go back to Georgia. I I do want to go back. There's something I need to do when I get back there. Uh, But, and I'll tell you what that is in a little bit if I remember, but I don't want to go back because over there you still have to wear a mask when you're outside or when you're inside. If you're in a taxi, you have to wear a mask. Everywhere you go, unless you're in your own car or in your own house, you have to wear a mask. And so I've kind of gotten my freedom back over here, Demask us or whatever they want to call it. You know, I love walking into a store and not having to wear a masks. I love being able to go to a restaurant. You know what? I like being able to stay out past 11 o'clock at night. They have a curfew on us. 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. You can't be out at that time. You can't drive if they pull you over, you get caught. Well, sorry about your luck. You know they could they can find you pretty well over there, Um, and I don't want to pay the fines, so I don't do that. Even at the beginning of COVID, they were really cruel to us. They locked, they made it so we couldn't go anywhere. All the public transportation was closed. All driving was prohibited. You could not drive without special permission for about three weeks. This went on, and me and my wife and our family lived out on the outskirts of the town of the main city and um, the closest grocery store was two and a half miles away. Very thoughtful of them to do that to us, and so right before COVID, I had the great idea of buying a bicycle because I was going to start exercising more, and you got to realize Tbilisi is really in the mountains. It's, uh, we go down the valley up the mountain no i 'm kidding that 's not it, uh, but we do we live in we live it 's a mountainous area, and basically Tbilisi goes through the the valley, but it starts they build it so big it starts going up on the sides and we 're on the side of the mountain and so after dinner one night, i just my wife tells me we needed milk first for this morning, and Elijah and esther they love milk they they love drinking their milk, and so esther. So I decide after eating a heavy meal, I'm gonna ride that a bicycle. And I have to be home by nine o'clock, and it's seven o'clock and it's two and a half miles away. And I'm gonna go ahead and get to the grocery store, get the milk, and get back in time, and it's downhill going, which is good, but it's uphill coming back, which is not so good, evidently. And I go and get on the bicycle, and I get down there and the line is out the door. It's it's you know, it's wrapped around the building, and I get there, and I realize I'm not going to make it in time, and so I turn around, and I start heading home without the milk. What a sad day. I rode two and a half miles for nothing. I don't know when the last time I rode a bicycle. I think that was back when I lived with my folks back, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we used to ride a bicycle all over, take it easy ranch. We drove down, rode our bicycles all the way down there, around. My dad took us down Dyson's Hill one time and up Dyson's Hill from our house, you know. We rode our bicycle everywhere. You know, I'm only 33 years old. At that time, 32. I was a year younger. I figured, surely, I can go two and a half miles one way and two and a half miles back. The going was easy, but the coming back was not so easy. I started going back in... Um, I realized I wasn't going to make it. I couldn't do it. So I got on my phone and I thought I had a loving wife. I called her up and I said, honey, I'm panting. I'm out of breath. I'm sweating. And I say, honey, I said, can you grab the car and come get me? We're not in the middle of the city. Surely she can come get me. No. Nope. Keep on riding your bike. I'm like, honey, I'm dying. It doesn't matter. Keep on riding your bike. So I hang up the phone, and I go another 15 minutes, and I'm still going up the hill. By now, I'm kind of like pushing the thing and ready to throw the bicycle in the garbage that I'm walking by because surely this is not of God. Honey, will you please come and get me? No, I'm not risking getting a fine for you. (laughs) I feel the love. I finally made it home, walking and riding and riding and walking. I don't know how long I was gone for. It felt like days, years, months went by. But it really wasn't. It was just a quick time. But I got in there. Needless to say, the bike went in the shed and never got pulled out again. I don't even own the bicycle anymore. It made me sick of it right then and there. But we're all tired of COVID. COVID. I'm tired of it. I, I hate the mask. I hate everything like that. The only good, the, the good thing out of COVID in Georgia was it did teach them how to stand in a line. Yeah, I'm not kidding. You go to McDonald's. There's no like you know we have nice little lines. People go through and everything. No, they just bombard the cash register and the fir- the person who can push the closest to the front orders. And if you're the loudest, you're the you can order. That's how it is over there. They're used to that bread, you know, when they were part of the Soviet Union, they're used to that bread line. The person who got up there the fastest got the food. So that's their mentality. And now they know how to stand, you know, two meters apart and and go from blue dot to blue dot. And they've learned that. And they still struggle with the mask a little bit, you know, below the nose. Someone put it on the chin until somebody says something. But, you know, everybody does that. But, I got tired of COVID. I'm sick of it, and so I'm kind of dreading going home (laughs) just a little bit. It's because I'm praying that by the time I get there, the masks are gone. But, you know, we live through a hard time. Hard times make uh, people tougher. You know, they say I believe the greatest generation in America was the people that lived through the Depression and that went and fought World War II. Those were the, that was the greatest generation in America, not because of the easy times, but because of the tough times. It made them people that were tough. They, they knew how to go through things, and they knew how to survive. And honestly, uh, COVID, as bad as it is, it's probably nothing compared to what they lived to, through at that time. Uh, And I'm glad I haven't lived through that, and I'm I'm praying we don't have to live through that. I just pray we get tougher instead of having to go through all that stuff. Um, But in the scriptures we read, we see the tough times. There's evidently a famine in the land. Uh, There's not a lot of stuff going on. You know, it's hard to make a living. Uh, They didn't have, you know, the government sending them stimulus checks. They didn't have that opportunity. They didn't have, you know, the increase of unemployment when they lost their jobs. They didn't have those things. This woman didn't have it. And even during this time, her husband died. Uh, and I know people have died from COVID. I have I've known pastors and people even, and I know some of you all know some people have died from COVID. And it's not a, we are we, saddened by that. But this woman, she lost her husband, and evidently they were in debt. The creditor was on his way to take the two children, her two sons, because they were going to become his slaves. You know, we've gone through a lot in our life. We've gone through a lot through the last year and a half, but nobody's coming to take my children. Nobody's come to take my kids away from me. And if they did, well, they'd have a fight on their hands. Overseas, I can at least buy some nice guns over there. So, you know, I may not be able to hit them all, but, you know, they're going to get hit once in a while. And honestly, I've always said they're going to take my kids over my dead body. And I believe parents would say that. Good parents would. If somebody came to take your children away today, how much would you fight for them? How much would you stand up for your children? How far would you go so that way your children would not be slaves because of the things and the mistakes that you have done? How far would you go if your children were going to be taken away? Where would you go and what would you do? You know, I, I know we... the. The church is the bride of Christ. We are giving birth. And when people come in and they, and they receive the Holy Ghost and they're baptized in Jesus' name, that's a birthing process. But my question to the church today is, what would you do to keep the children? What would you do? How far would you reach out? How far would you go so they would not become indebted to the creditor or to Satan? I know the enemy over years, and I'm 33 years old, and I grew up in this church, and I was sitting there, and I saw the list. I know Brother Cade and Sister Brooke were working, had the list, and they were try- typing it out of all the... People that have walked away from God, that have left the church, and and I was sitting there going, I know there's even more names, and I'm wondering how far will we go back to reach them people that will get them back from the debtor, the creditor, and we'll say, no longer can they belong to you. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's coming after the people of God. I don't believe Satan sits there and tries to pick on the world all the time. But what Satan's focus is on is children of God. If he can just destroy you, if he can tear you down, if he can get you to walk or to doubt what God is doing in you and through you. If he can just get you not to come to church one day or two days and it gets easier, that's what the devil wants to do. But uh, here we see this woman, she's, she's desperate. She's saying, Nobody's gonna take my kids. Nobody's going to take them away from me. It's my debt. It's my fault. It's me and my husband's fault. I know it's a famine, but you know what? I'm not going to let anything happen to my children. And so she goes to the man of God. She goes to Elisha. Not just anybody, but she goes to the man of God for that time and says, What can I do? How can I protect my children? How can I save my children? Can you give me any money, preacher? I know. What can I do? And Elisha's response kind of cracks me up a little bit. What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> what shall I do for thee? Elisha, what do you want me to do? It's your debt. Come on, pay yourself. Right? He said, No, he's, he says that, but he says his response is, what do you have in your house? See, they've been through a famine. They've been through a lot going on. Everything that was worth the value was already gone. Everything that they owned, it didn't even say they had beds in their house or blankets or pillows or anything. They didn't have extra clothes. Everything in the house was gone except a pot of oil. Only thing left was a pot. It didn't tell us how big it was. It didn't say how much oil there was. I can imagine there was not a lot. All there was was a little bit. It was probably the smallest pot out there. It wasn't worth of much value. But God, what, can, what do you have? A lot of times, through the hard times, we learn to lose things. I think through COVID, we've lost some things of the world out of us. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think God was trying to get rid of some things out of me and out of the, maybe, I'll say this part, out of the church. He's trying to rip some of the things that don't matter and just get back to maybe the basics. Get back to the things that really do matter. Get rid of the garbage that's been cluttering up the house and that's been taking value out of the church because we're putting things on focus that's really not on God, but it's focused on us. And I know I'm preaching to a church that's got it all together. I, I love this church. Don't get me wrong. I love you all. I'm excited when I get to come here. I, I love coming to this church. It's not Midway Drive anymore. We only got two posts instead of like ten. My goodness. You got nice carpet down too. You This morning I thought you were going to have to knock out the wall to start having room for more. But yet, here we go. This woman, all she says is, I have a pot of oil. And he says, okay, go get the vessels. Go borrow vessels. Go get them. Go grab the vessels. And then he makes an interesting statement there. He says, even the empty ones. Empty doesn't mean just, you know, a vessel that's just sitting there empty. But it means the broken ones. The worthless ones. The ones that have no value. Grab the ones people forgot about. Grab the ones out of the garbage can. Grab the ones out of the gutter. Grab the ones that are laying on the side of the road. Grab the ones that nobody ever thought about. Don't just grab a few, but grab all you can. Why don't you just get up and go grab everything you can? And when you get into the house and you get all the vessels you can gather, why don't you just shut the doors? You think I was kidding? If I had Stephen here, I would shut the doors. I'd ask you to lock them. Why? Because the value, the oil was gonna, is going to be poured out. The oil, all she had left in the house was the oil. Let me tell you something, church. If all you got left is a little bit of Holy Ghost left inside of you, then you got more than enough that the world can't take it. The devil can't take it from you. I don't care what the devil says. You got so much to offer. We sit there and count everything we lost, but why don't you say, you know what I got? I got some oil left inside of me. You know what? It may not be overflowing right now, but what I have, it's more than enough. I can fill up some vessels. I can fill up some empty vessels, some broken vessels, some vessels that got it all together because there's some oil left in me. All the junk is out of my life. See, that when tough times come, the things disappear. The distractions go away. Say, really? Yeah. Sorry. But if it was between buying an iPad and buying groceries, I hope you would choose the groceries. You know, overseas, they did not understand one thing here. The toilet paper shortage. Huh? Is it like that? They were under what's going on? See, they have bays over there, you know, a bidet, sorry, bidet, whatever it is called. And in Georgia, they don't even have that. They just have a, like a hose with a spray nozzle on the end of it, and <laughs> that's what you use. It's like one of those sink ones that you use, you know, that's what they have beside the toilet. And they're going, why do you, what, what's going on with the toilet paper shortage? Why are you guys going, I was willing to sell some people $25 a roll, and I'm not talking about the two-ply, I'm talking about that brown, you know, sandpaper type ones, you know. They were selling them for like two tetri piece over there, which is less than a penny over here. I was willing to sell it to my father-in-law for $25 a roll, but he wouldn't take it up. He wouldn't, he wouldn't accept my offer. You know, they didn't understand that. Well, what's going on? You know? They didn't understand why Americans were running to the store and hoarding all the toilet paper. I don't know why they're the ones that have the mask still on. You know, there's a lot of things we just don't understand. But yet, it gets rid of all the garbage. It gets rid of all the the unnecessary things hard times do. It makes it so we focus on the real thing. And when we get rid of the distractions and get rid of all the garbage out of our life and all we have left is the oil, the house was empty except the pot of oil. All the TVs were gone. All the news media was gone. Thank God for that. All the family. No, I'm kidding. Everything was gone. The beds to the, the stay in all the time were gone. The couch to sleep on was gone. All that was left was a pot of oil. Only thing of value in there was a pot of oil. And he said, go get the vessels. Fill up the house. Don't borrow just a few, but get them all. And when you get in there, shut the door. Just you and your sons, just get in there alone. Don't let the neighbors come in and go, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is crazy. Why are you you trying to take this little bit of oil and trying to fill up this big pot over here? Don't let the the neighbors come in and tell you how bad that it's not going to work. Don't let the enemy come in and tell you that God ain't going to do it for you and your family. Don't let the enemy come in and tell you that you're not going to make it. Just shut the door. Shut yourself in a closet of prayer and a place in the Word of God where it's just you and your family and Him where nothing else can sit there and say, you know what, you you got it all wrong. What you're doing is wrong. All this holiness is just wrong. No, don't listen to that. Just shut out the enemy. Shut out the naysayers. Shut out the ones that are sitting there telling you, why are you acting like this? Why are you dressing like this? Why are you doing these things? There was a reason the prophet said shut the door. Because he didn't want the neighbors coming in. The neighbors knew. Come on, you know your neighbors know everything about you. They know. They, they, when you bought the new car, they, they saw it coming. Ooh, somebody's making good money over there. They're no, you know nosy neighbors how they are. You got a new dress on, they know it. New outfit, new shoes, they probably even know that too. Brother Roberts, they probably know when you got a new gun or something like that, or when you, that, when you shot the next deer. They probably knew that. Brother Roberts, gone fishing again. He brought in ten, you know, whatever, how many fish. They probably knew how many fish he had. They had binoculars out probably watching him. Because they knew if they got hungry, where to go? <laughs> no. But yet, the enemy, he, he'll try to discourage you. He'll even use family to discourage you. He'll use the ones that are supposed to be your friends and your close allies to discourage you. But you got to shut the door. See, a lot of times we don't want to just go and get the vessels, we just want them to walk in. I remember back in the day, Brother Roberts, I was a little child here. I remember the door knocking on a Saturday morning. We get up and go door knocking. I remember it was exciting as a kid. Maybe it wasn't exciting for all the adults, but for the kids, it was fun because we got to knock on the doors. We didn't have to say anything, (laughs) we just got to knock on the doors. (laughs) The parents are the ones that had to talk. But you know what? I remember those days where door knocking was out there and we would go knock on the doors. And I don't know how many people came because of door knocking. I, I don't, I wasn't, that wasn't my job to know. I just knew my job was to go door knocking. Wasn't even to talk. They wouldn't even let me talk, Sister Maddie. And everybody knew back then I had the gift of gab. They couldn't get me to stop talking if they let. Maybe that's why they didn't let me talk. My dad would go to the dentist after us, and he said I. He didn't have to tell the dentist anything because I had already told him everything. <laughs> See, I had the gift of gab. And don't don't you all start laughing. Most of you have it too you just got to use it for the right reason. And yet, I remember those days. I remember getting up and going and there were other things we did for outreach the tent revivals. My goodness. Thank God we have a building that can seat more <laughs> with air conditioning. I remember we do a tent revival and it didn't matter how hot it was. It didn't matter if it rained. It didn't matter if it was sunshine or whatnot. It was tent revival, and we would have it for what for a week straight, Monday through sun, or Sunday through Monday or, or Sunday through Saturday or something like that. It went forever. As a kid, everything goes forever. But I remember those, because not because of you know how fancy it was, but I remember the tent revivals. There was a power of God that would flow through the tent revival. Every, every little thing that we take granted for, man, I, I love this building. I love it. I wish I had one like it. I got a text message this morning. I don't know how it's happening, Tabitha, but evidently there, there's water leaking in the, new, in the new building. I don't know how. We're in the basement and there's water coming in and it was raining. I don't know how that works, but it does. I think it skips every other floor and just comes right to us. From the ceiling it's coming from, I don't know. But my goodness, I, you know, I, I would love a building like this that could seat a couple hundred people. But you know what? If it would keep me from the move of God. If it would keep me from move, having the power of God flowing, then keep the building. I would love, the, and don't get me wrong, I think you guys need the building. I would love the music because you guys, man, your music team is awesome. And if I could, I'd take you all with me. I think Pastor Jason might be fighting me for you. He might not let me come back after that. But you know what? If I could, I would. But if it would just became a show, then I wouldn't want it. Because it would take... Away from what God is really wanting to do. See, I've been I, I wish, you know, I'm not I'm not as wise as some people. I don't have pictures. Um I don't I'm not a picture person. I don't when a church is going on I don't take pictures. It's hard for me, you know, phone goes in the in the bag and that's it. And uh, you know, I I, I struggle taking pictures in church and I'm supposed to and I'm a missionary and they tell you you gotta have pictures for deputation and yeah mm Not yet. I still don't have any. But I wish I had a picture of this room, this this church I go to in Kobaleti. See, you know, she told you God is opening doors for us to minister at churches. We've met in the in the last uh three years, God has introduced us to uh different five, five different pastors in the Republic of Georgia. It, you know, I wanted to start churches. I, I know how to start church. Go teach a Bible study. You say, really? Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you start churches. This is how this church was started. Was pastor or your bishop went and started teaching Bible studies, and then when the people started coming, that's when they got a bigger building. It wasn't before that. And so I wanted to start churches. So I was going to teach Bible studies. You no, know, God had a different plan. He said, I'm going to bring you pastors. And so what happened was, I, in the first summer we were there, we just got there. We got there in June. In August, we, had, we got introduced to a gypsy pastor named Roma. And so I went up there to minister, and while I was there, he introduced me to another church. And uh, the pastor there, Pastor Gedret, uh I, I was able to minister. And I don't know them. Man, my goodness, I don't speak their language. You heard Tabitha speaking. My goodness, how many ways... How many ways to say go? How many words? 50 words to say go. I struggle with English. (laughs) Go means go, which means go, which means go, you know. They evidently have go for different things. I don't know how you use 50 goes, but whatever. And then that's just the one way to say that word. There's like 30 ways to say that one word. Because if it's past tense, you know, all these other tenses that they have, it changes everything. And if it's a we or an I or you or he or she, it changes again. And my brain can't comprehend that. I'm a numbers guy. You give me numbers, I can understand that. Now, I'm not to level Trey as yet, but, you know. (laughs) But I can get numbers, you know, keep me on the Sudoku thing. I'm, I'm good with that one. And I like the Sudoku where you have math in it. But you know, I was sitting there and I went up to the church and I'd been there a few times and they didn't know who I really was. They didn't know much about me. But every time I got to go, they asked me to preach. Now, I, I, you know, that's different. I don't, when people come to our church, I don't, I have people come to our church all the time. I'm Pastor So and so. Okay, nice to meet you. You're welcome to be here. I don't let them come preach. I don't know them. But these guys let me come in and preach. They didn't know what they were getting. Definitely didn't know what they're getting themselves into. Different type of stuff. I get you guys laughing. You guys clap over there. They just sit there on hard wooden benches for two hours. No clapping. And then, if you want to repent, anybody want to repent tonight? Any takers? One volunteer? Oh, my cousin, my nephew. I mean, Nolan, you want to repent? Okay. This is how they do it. And you're going to, I think, Pastor Robert, you need to implement this. They bring you to the front up by the pastor. On the pulpit, have you turn around and confess every sin to the whole congregation? (laughs) That's repentance. (laughs) You better be sure you're going to want to live for God before you do that. (laughs) Needless to say, I never volunteered. (laughs) But yet, I went up there, and I remember sitting up there one service, and I was going, God... What am I doing here? Anybody ever feel like that? God, what am I doing here? He opened the door. I preach. Nothing really happens. I've been ministering for a couple, you know, a couple months because I go up once a month and minister. God, what, what am I doing here? And while I was, after I got done speaking for my 15 minutes and preaching there that morning, I got a message from Brother Schutz, Mark Schutz. I don't know if you all know him or not, but he's a missionary to Latvia great man of God and he messaged me he said God told me to tell you to be bold and let the miracles happen through you I said okay I didn't know what else to say but okay and I just know when brother Mark shoots messages me I know it's a word from God because he doesn't message something like that just to message something and so that night I went to the gypsy church you got to realize this is in the pastor's home We're meeting in his garage, actually. He has a, we would call it a carport. It's a concrete, it's, he pulls in, and he had put tile down for the church to meet there. And above it is the the overhang, basically, but it's really where his, where they would hang their clothes out on the lines and stuff like that. So half of it's covered and the other half isn't. And so I got to church that night and, I knew what I was going to preach on, and I, I was preaching, and I was preaching on healing. I already had the message picked out, just Brother Shoots confirmed, and just told me, he said, you just need to be bold. I said, okay. So I got done preaching, and you got to realize I have an interpreter. And they, they were interpreting and they speak Russian, so she was interpreting Russian to, for me. And I'm sitting there, okay, okay, here we go. And we're outside, it's middle of summer, you know, it's still summertime up there, and I'm I'm sweating, you know. I, I sweat enough as is. I'm I'm it's only like 60 degrees in here. And I'm still sweating. Um and you know, I I'm I'm out there preaching and I get done. Okay, who wants a miracle? Who needs healing in their body? You know, if I'd asked that tonight, I'd you know how many people would raise their hands, I don't know. But basically the whole church stood up. About 70 people. And we're sitting out there on hard they're sitting out there on hard benches and I'm preaching and they don't clap, they don't say amen, they just sit there and I'm preaching hard. You know, try preaching in that crowd. You guys make it easy to preach. I could go for hours here. Uh, what are you talking about? I still got a couple hours to go. But yet here. They stand up and I start praying. They start interpreting and praying. And I I tell me what's wrong. And I just start laying hands on them and they start praying. And I don't know if they're being healed or not. Suddenly the pastor's wife, they say she needs prayer because she can't talk. Something's wrong with her body. She can't talk no more. I said, okay, let's pray. So I lay hands on her. And I get done praying and, you know, they don't know a word I say. That's the privilege of being the foreigner. You know, they don't understand a word you can say. You could say anything you want, and they wouldn't know. Now, if you're praying, hopefully you're praying the things of God, but, you know, some of you may not. I don't know. But I'm praying, and I say, okay,
1: ask her if she can speak now. And she goes, I don't know the
0: language. My goodness, I go up there. I don't have all the money. I don't have it all together. I go, I drive there. You talk about it's hot during the winter and hot during the summer in that church. It's gotten better now. See, in the summertime, they would meet outside, but in the wintertime, they would meet in the room beside the garage or carport, or whatever you want to call it. In this room, my goodness, I, I don't know. how It's a whole lot smaller than your platform. It, it might be from that corner to here wide. And maybe from that wall to maybe about right here long. I've seen them put a 100 in here. Seen it, and we get uncomfortable when our, we have a, a chair next to us filled. I'm not trying to step on toes right now, but what I, what I want us to understand is the oil that this church has it's not a little bit of oil, it's not just a little bit. What you got is more than enough to fill St. Mary's County, every vessel that's out there. This church is overflowing with oil. You just got to get the vessels to fill them up. You got oil overflowing. But you got to get the vessels. See, how desperate are we? How desperate are we? Are we like this mother? Is the church like the mother yet in this story? Or we go to the man of God and say. Not my children. How can I protect them? How can I protect them? What will we do? How far will we go? To keep. The people from the. Creditor. How far will we go? To pull people out of hell. So that way. They don't live in eternity, burning. How far will we go for our neighbors and our loved ones and even our enemies? How far will we go for the drug addict or the ones that are worthless, that the world would say, forget about them? Will we go and gather everything we possibly can, or will we just gather a few and be comfortable with just the few? See I know your pastor well enough to know That even St. Mary's County is not enough Because if all St. Mary's County Was saved he'd go further See this church has always been A sending church I don't know how many churches Have been started out of just this one church But I know of a few See how hungry are you how desperate are you? I know. We'll pray for when we get to corporate prayer. God, save them. But will you go and gather them? See, there's other churches I met. Another churches in Rustavi. He's the bishop of over seven churches in that city or in this country. I got to meet him and I got to go preach for him. They trust me. Can you believe that? <laughs> they let me have the microphone. That's a dangerous thing. I preach. Get an interpreter. I get up and preach. I get to do, they don't do altar calls like we do altar calls. They really don't even have an altar call. But I get to pray with them. I get to pray for them. They came to our conference. Brother Hat was there to preach our conference that year. My goodness, they were so excited. They were asking, how can we join this organization? How can we become a part of this body? Well, you've got to understand something. This bishop, he has connections all over. So there's an organization he wants me to join to help the churches in Georgia, to connect us to the churches in Georgia. It's not a, a religious organization. It's a political thing to protect the churches. And he wants me to join that. I don't know how all that will happen, but he wants me to become part of it. He He's connected to another group of churches where the bishop is over 40 churches just in Georgia. And he wants to connect us to them. You got to understand something. I, I ain't got it all. I don't have all the smarts or all the... Every answer. You know, when I was growing up, it was if I didn't have the answer, just send them to pastor. Now I'm the pastor. That's the scary part. I just send them to Jesus now. But understand something. this, This bishop, I preach for him. I've gone. I'm working with one of his pastors. They're building another church. They're starting another church, and I'm helping them with that. I've gone and ministered in his church. My goodness! There's all these doors opening up, and lo and behold, in the midst of this, he connects the missionary to Latvia to a church of five thousand. One contact. We got now we're reaching. Well, how many churches? One church, churches in Latvia, church of Latvia, five thousand of just one church, and then he's the bishop of I don't know how many churches, and he's connected all over the former Soviet Union like this one contact. Look, I just put it this way. When we get rid of all the stuff out of our life, when I empty myself of all the junk out of myself, when I empty me of me, that's when God can move he says, the junk's gone. Get the vessels in. Pastor Robert said it this morning. If you want the miraculous to happen, you gotta get rid of the old idols. The idols of your parents and the idols of the grandparents or whatever it may be from your past, you gotta tear them down, and the things that were part of it tear them down. But when it happens, whew, anything can happen. God can take somebody from Lexington Park, Maryland that barely speaks enough English, take them to a foreign country and say, you know what, I'm going to put you right here and I'm going to connect you to this man and to this man and to this man and to this man. And And guess what? These people are going to connect you to these people. And soon, I don't know how fast it's going to take off. I don't know how, what all is going to happen. All I know is if I just keep on pouring the oil. If I would just get the oil out... I'm not going to use that. I'm afraid I'll break it. If I just get the oil out and just keep on pouring. A lot of times we sit there and we go, no, this looks like just me. The water's just enough for me. It's mine. But we come stagnant when we do that. The oil is good when it's flowing, but when it stops, it's no good. She said, Bring me another vessel. And her sons there said, there's no more. They're awful. They're awful. How many loved ones do you have? How many people do you know? How many coworkers do you have? I know. You go to great, how many of you go to Great Mills High School? One. My goodness, you got a whole high school. All by myself. No, I'm kidding. You got a great opportunity. My goodness, you get that oil that's inside of you, and you just start pouring it out. Why? Why do we think that it's only a foreign seas thing? It's not. My goodness, they can look at you all, you young people, and they can look at you and say, you know what? I see God moving inside of you. Can you pray for me? Why? Why are we afraid of that? I'm on base, I walk on base they, they should know As soon as I step on base They all should know I just stepped on base Why? Not because, because of Jesus when you, when you go to work They should know immediately That brother Josh just stepped in the door They should be lining up Brother Josh, will you pray for me? Brother Josh, will you preach another word to us? Why? Because that's apostolic that's real apostolic. Give them some hope. Maybe some false hope but give them some hope anyway. I haven't been here for three years, so i got three years of messages saved up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I won't do that to you. God, we read the Bible that the latter rain is greater than the former rain well I haven't seen the latter rain yet I haven't seen it yet but what I do know if I'm going to be participating in the latter rain then I got to be willing to pour all I got is a little bottle all I got is a little bit left oh look I know what a loan is I know what it's like to be alone. You don't realize how happy I was when I got to be able to come back. I hadn't seen anybody in a year and a half except for me and my wife and nobody to minister really to us over there. We minister to everybody. We're giving and we're giving. I was excited to see Pastor Roberts. I was excited to see Pastor Jason. I haven't seen Pastor Staten yet, Going to. When I went to church there, he, he decided to go see my aunt. God will forgive him. It was her birthday. I was excited because I got to see people of like faith. I gotta be ministered to. I gotta hear preaching of the word and teaching of the word. And my goodness, I thought about telling you I was gonna preach on the light, but Brother Henderson did a phenomenal job. I just let it go. But He, man, my goodness, he can teach, he can preach now. But I sit there. I know what it's like to be alone. Nobody there, nobody around you. The closest missionary is a three-hour flight away. Go, not talk to nobody, not see nobody. Being locked down, all I got is my wife and two kids. My wife was sick of me after three weeks of being in the house driving her crazy but I've learned just to pour the oil I didn't have much left but just pour the oil so you gotta understand something I was running on fumes I was running on empty and right before we came home last two months month and a half before we came home Four and Cobaletti received the Holy Ghost. One into Tbilisi received the Holy Ghost. Two were baptized into Blissy and then that precious name of Jesus. And on Monday before we flew out on Thursday, a young man who I I can't, you know, he can't, it can't be found out, but he's gonna when I get back, we're baptizing him in the precious name of Jesus. That's why I gotta go back. There's somebody there. See if we just get the oil. If we get the vessels in and we just take the oil and start pouring it out, and we just say, "You know what? Oh, my God, is an oil. It was a little bit. It's just an. It's just a little bit. I know you probably felt inadequate over in Holland at first. Just a little bit, probably. Maybe that's just me. But you know what? When I am empty, when I am weak, He is strong. My weakest moments is usually when Jesus shows up the most. If I just get down to all that's left is the oil and the empty vessels. I don't care where you have to get them from, borrow. Get them all. Fill the house, overflow it. My goodness, you got a bigger building now to have overflowing than ever before we used to overflow midway why not overflow here my goodness if we could just get to the point and do that this last verse is said then she came and told the man of God after the oil was stayed the vessels were full he said go and sell the oil When the oil is flowing and the vessels are full, that's when you'll live. That's when you'll have real life. But when all you're doing is hoarding the oil for yourself. No, you can't have any. It's just, it's just a little bit left. You'll die inside. When the church... Stops pouring out. That's when the church stops living. But when we learn to pour. And just let it. And we don't. You know. We don't stop. We just let it keep on pouring. Just keep on pouring. You say. Oh I'm running out of energy preacher. I know. I know. But don't quit at the finish line. Jesus is about to come and I will tell you what you need more than ever. At the finish line of this race, you need to push, you need to press on, you need to keep on running, and you need to keep on pouring. Won't you stand with me this evening? If somebody could just get the vessels. God's oil hasn't run dry for 2,000 years, and it won't run dry we just keep on pouring. If I just keep on pouring. See, some of you all know what I'm talking about, Bible studies, because most of you all that came in, probably came in through Bible studies. Somebody taught you something. Unless you were raised in this, then your parents taught you. That Maybe you didn't consider that a Bible study, but it really was one. You just pour. I don't have the answers. I remember. You know what they had when I was your age? They finally released a Bible study in a bag. You remember those? You remember? I remember they challenged us in uh, our youth group. Sister Simpkins, brother Simpkins. You might remember this. Remember the green team and whatever teams they had? That's where I started teaching Bible studies. Was during that time. I think one 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 uh, part of the. T- thing I taught over 64 Bible studies just in that one and our team killed the other teams because every Bible study was worth like 500 points and so I just basically won the whole thing but you know it was fun but I learned how to teach them Learned how to pour I learned how to pour if we could just learn how to pour pour out pour out the oil that God Look, I can't tell you how many times I wish more would happen. I can't tell you how many times I'm amazed, Pastor Roberts, when I go to that church in Cobaletti. I have bad days. My goodness, it seems like every time me, I'm about to go up there, me and my wife fight. It's my fault. And now it's my fault for mentioning it. but I still go up there and God still pours. He said, just pour. Pour. Sister Henderson, pour. The miraculous already happened through you. He gave you three children. And you were asking for one. He gave you three. Man, he multiplied that. How many more miracles have happened here? And God's saying, you have the miraculous. Just pour it out. Just Pour. I don't know how y'all do it, but the altars are open. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com.
1: I'm going to wait on your cheeks I'm going to wait